most of us need to be held accountable for what they're doing. Most of us need to actually take action on what we're learning. Most of us need feedback on what we're doing. And most of us really need to implement what we're learning in order for it to really stick. Welcome to the My Future Business Show, where we get you in front of your best audience and keep you there. Not only are we interviewing the biggest names in business to help you become even more successful, we're inviting you to book your spot on the show to help you grow your business. So at the end of the call, make sure you fill in the interview application form at myfuturebusiness.com forward slash interviews. Hi, and welcome back to the My Future Business Show. My name is Rick Nusky. I am your host, and a quick second of pause to thank you once again for your feedback. It's wonderful, it's warm, it's supportive, and it's making all of the difference knowing that the show is making a difference for you. Now, on today's show, I'm with the wonderful Rob Matskin, and on the call, we're going to be talking about all things um, engaged learning, how to deliver um, that learning online. We're going to be talking about his coaching and training platform, MyQuest. Um, And with all that being said, Rob, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Rick. Really appreciate you having me. Now, you and I were just talking about uh, your, your surfing exploits, and uh, that's that's a place I love to start because it, I guess <laughs> it, it sets the scene for the for the rest of the call because I know that at some stage there you were working very long hours, you were burning out, and you decided to shift gears. And uh, I think that's a really telling story for, for those who are thinking that, you know, they need to grind all day, every day. There's, there's a better way, isn't there? Yeah, for sure. You know, um, you know, when people hear about uh, two surfers talking, they think that's all they do, right? <laughs> um, so without uh, sliding down that route, no. But I, you know, I've started multiple companies at this point. I think I'm on uh, company seven. And yeah, it, when I was working on one of my larger startups that we eventually exited, I, w- I was definitely burning out. I, I, you know, living in New York City, it's hard to get access to nature. And then it, at some point, I think I had a nervous break. <laughs> It's <laughs> just a quiet uh, one. <laughs> yeah, and, and I realized, no, I, I need balance. And one of the things was, it was like, it was 24-7 on. It was very much, uh, we, were, we were an alcohol delivery startup. I invented that space in New York. Um, actually, one of our competitors, Grizzly, just went public, uh, or excuse me, not public, they were acquired by Uber for like a billion dollars. So oh, wow. crazy space. But, um, you know, I was getting calls from my staff on Sundays or calls in the beginning at, at 3 a.m. being like, where's my beer? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm sleeping. Um, <laughs> like, what do you want from me? Uh, <laughs> beer, apparently. And, and I took it a, yeah, a beer. Um, so, you know, it, it definitely it definitely took a toll. It definitely burnt me out. And, I, 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 you know, I discovered, I discovered surfing. I discovered acrobatics. But I discovered all these things to really just give me balance. And if I don't have balance um, or even boredom um, or I don't turn my mind off or get hyper-present, whatever language I want to use, I don't have creativity. Yeah. And if I don't have creativity, well, what value do I bring? That is the value that I bring, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, is, is my creativity. That's, that's one of my superpowers. It's one of my secret sauces. So yep. if I don't have that downtime or that time to play, you know, then then the sun doesn't shine at work either, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, there's this uh, trap that we can all fall into occasionally where we're projecting into the future a lot. We're not present. You touched on that momentarily. I'd love to come back to that, the presence of mind and just stopping and being at one with yourself, I guess you'd say, uh, Rob. But yeah. So uh, where are you right now? 
I'm We've, in Miami, Florida. Fantastic. Now, what's a landmark yep. near you that uh, people might be familiar with apart from the beach? What, what's a landmark that they might be familiar with? Hmm. Uh, um, your local. Yeah, well, so I moved here five months ago from New York, um, but South Beach is right here, uh, you know, all the bars and clubs in Miami. Um, but where I am, where I am a landmark of where I am, physically sitting yep I'm, I'm literally i'm literally on south beach literally on lincoln road and, and the water oh fantastic um, what a view is, is where i am so now <laughs> yeah. you know it's it's customary for us to talk about your your hobbies and i noticed in your bio you talked about enjoying the mountain life given that you've moved locations it's now the beach life isn't it it is i uh i was a professional ski instructor and whitewater raft guide at one point uh just out of university uh i guess you'd say uni um yep. but yep. um <laughs> <laughs> and uh definitely love that lifestyle definitely uh jones but it's either mountains or beaches it's it's whatever uh you know like you were touching upon i think there's vocabulary out there where whether it's meditation presence um eckhart tolle and the power of now describe adrenaline junkism oh, yeah. or enthusiast as it's the only time that we could turn our mind off i think at this point or just be ever present at this point i have many things that allow me to do so um, but like I just picked up kite surfing uh, down here and this weekend was a great weekend for it and I got to just turn my mind off and just be in the moment nothing else existed and it was just with the wind the waves the water just me oh, yeah. and yeah. The, you know the universe didn't exist it was just that and I came back so charged up and so refreshed this week um, you know and even if I get a taste of that I think it's so so powerful across you know who I am and how I show up in all aspects of my life. This is completely relevant to um, how important it is as it relates to your professional life as well, and we'll, and we'll pivot to that at some stage. But I know a lot of sure. su- a lot of successful people, Rob, they they're quite transient. If they enjoy, uh, <laughs> you know, they enjoy the the mountain life as you do, and they enjoy the beach life. Do you think you'll move uh, backwards and forwards to get a, a taste of both throughout the different parts of the year? You know, um, again, it's my first uh, first full year in Miami. I haven't experienced summer yet, so I think I'll be craving those mountains. <laughs> come, <laughs> come, come on, come on, come on. Uh, give, me, give, give me some dry, give cool me, give weather. Give me some time. Uh, yeah. So, um, you know, but, it, it, you know, it doesn't matter whether it's the beach or the mountains, uh, anything that has to do with water, whether it's a river or snow or uh, a glacial lake. Uh, I'm I'm happy. I'm just happy being outdoors uh, and just using my body and um, sometimes abusing it. But uh, <laughs> just just being out and having fun in nature is uh, I, I I think my happy place. It doesn't. Why do I have to choose? You've you know? you've you've touched on something there. You know the fact that you've got two feet and a heartbeat that you're alive and well. That that says a lot <laughs> about the value of life in itself. Now, what's your favorite movie? Do you ever watch movies? <laughs> you know, I haven't watched movies in a while. I've been watching more TV. Netflix? Um, I've been watching Netflix, but, you know, honestly, I, Zig Ziglar uh, had a quote. I don't know if you know who he is. Oh, he's yes. like he's like the OG of, uh, no, one of the OGs. He's the Tony Robbins of the 70s and 80s for uh, people who don't know him. But he had a quote that, you know, uh, frontline workers will watch, you know, 30 to 40 hours of TV, but when you get to, when you get to the executives, They'll watch an hour or two a week, and most of it's training videos. I'm going, oh. And I heard that about 10, 15 years ago, and I, I really try and read books or listen to Audible and I'm trying to get in a clubhouse. I don't know. It's not sticking yet. Yeah, me but, neither. Uh, 
but uh, but uh, I'll, I'll I'll listen to uh, I'll listen to about anywhere from fifteen to twenty bucks a month. I got last year I got through two hundred forty books on Audible. Um, wow. I'm pre- I'm pretty I'm pretty one of my superpowers is uh, I'm an auditory learner, so I could listen to a book at three x and have full comprehension. So the it, subconscious you know, mind is open. Yeah, I, well, I'm I'm also severely dyslexic, so I didn't read till I was ten, right? Yep. Um. So the only way I learned was by listening. I couldn't read, so I got really good at it. So Audible's been a blessing for you in many respects. Oh my gosh, Audible is uh, a whole game-changing thing. When I, I it was funny when I was growing up, they'd give us books on tape because uh, actually in the states there's something from the Library of Congress that we get free books on tape if we have a a visual impairment or you're dyslexic, you qualify. Yep. But they gave it, they gave me this huge tape recorder. I mean, literally the thing was like <laughs> ten times the size of this, and I had to listen to tapes. I was so embarrassed, even though it was in my room, to, to use the thing. I, I couldn't do it. I, I couldn't bring myself to do it. Um, so I've always had access to it. But now, you know, the fact that it's on this thing and it's yep. easy, and uh, I, I just constantly listen and constantly find uh, find find good books to listen to. So. Yeah. Uh, but favorite favorite book on entrepreneurship, uh, hard things about hard things. Yep, uh, it, it, it is is a great one. And then in the fiction world, uh, I would have to say Kafka on the Shore uh, would be one of my favorite. Excellent. So let's wind back a little bit, yeah. Rob. You're a, you're a kid, and uh, you're having your early life experiences. What is what is uh, one of the things you remember as a kid growing up that you remember fond memories of? Oh wow. Um, I think skiing. I think uh, family ski ski vacations and skiing, and uh, even on the hard pack ice in uh, in New Hampshire, uh, go, go to my cousin's place. Uh, I think would 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 be uh, some of my fondest memories growing up for sure. So, when did you decide that uh, entrepreneurialism was for you, Rob? And do you recall your first experience? Yeah. So I grew. So my dad. So my family's run a company in the states for about eighty years. My great grandfather started a company uh, in architectural glass and metal. And uh, you said eighty years. Eighty. Yeah, eighty years yeah, or so. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my my grand my great grandfather came here as an immigrant. Uh, with my grandfather, they started up a a glazer. They were they installed glass. Glazier. Yeah. Uh, so that so they my grandfather grew up. My dad took it over and he grew it into a distribution company. Um, so any, any, in any case, I grew up, my dad would come home and we'd always, we, you know, we always had family dinner every night and, uh, he, he talked about his day. So he talked about entrepreneurship and, 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 you know, and, uh, I'd listen to him. So it was just a dinner table. So whether it was, um, probably did a few small things in high school, but the, the first real thing I did was, uh, we had a, the U S open golf tournament, uh, every eight years comes by my parents' house, uh, at a golf course about a mile away called Wingfoot. And uh, there was no parking within uh, 20 miles, so I tur- turned their uh, turned their lawn into uh, a car park, and uh, you know it was 100, 150 bucks a, a pop, and you know had 70, 100 cars there. So it was a fun little week. Um, <laughs> a profitable one too. <laughs> it was a profitable one. I had to deal, with, and it was good because I had to deal with regulation and law enforcement and code enforcement because there's no in the town there was no uh, parking on the grass, and my dad was worried about a sprinkler. So there was uh, definitely some hurdles to just. It wasn't. It wasn't all uh, it wasn't sunshine and roses. No, and then you know my friends wanted a piece of the action because they were driving and shuttling, and I'm going, "You're a taxi driver. I'm not giving you a piece of the action." <laughs> so learning with friend, working with friends, and learning some lessons there. A lot always 
great learning experiences and uh, on top of that more so than even the, the, the financial. Talk about a baptism of fire. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, every, every, there are small problems, right? But it's still microcosms of, uh, you know, bigger things. Of right? a bigger thing, yeah. Now, look, uh, yeah. You, you talked about the challenge you had with uh, being dyslexic early on and uh, your, sure. I guess, your earlier desires to, you know, put your nose to the grindstone and just work, work, work. How has that changed today? Um, I guess, um, what do you suggest to people who are thinking that way? Yeah, I mean, I think in your, I think in your twenties, you, you you can and you 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 can and maybe you should put your your your, your head down and 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 work hard and and try and get places. And I think one of the things I've created in the thirties, and I guess maybe age has nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but now it's I, I really try and have wisdom. And to me, wisdom is learning from others' mistakes and taking them on as your own. Um, and I think, uh, you know, I used to be like, well, I don't have an MBA. I need to learn by the school of hard knocks. I need to learn everything. And I need to, um, you know, ha- have that as my baptism by fire. And I need to put in my dues and stuff. And uh, I think these days I try and work smarter, not harder. Yes. Um, you know. Absolutely. Um, but I, I've also had the luxury of getting to that point, I guess. And I put in my dues. There's and I don't a- know if I could have done that back then. There's a lot of, uh, I guess, credibility for having formal education, but there's another whole dimension that opens up nowadays, especially given with the recent uh, goings-on across the world uh, in relation to online learning. Um, do you think formal studies is as relevant nowadays given that the door is open to so many more people? Um, and one if you could talk to that. That's a huge subject. I was actually just, uh, I think the Wall Street Journal had a really interesting article about like you know, uni prices here in the States going, you know, even uh, state universities going up 3x and Through the roof. All, 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 every, everything going on with that. Or, you know, I know people that paid, you know, $200,000, $300,000 for an Ivy League uh, graduate degree. Wow. And, you know, how, how, do you, how do you justify that? And how do you justify it? You know, the kids going, a lot of them justify it by the network they make. And, you know, right now, Schools aren't giving discounts uh, for what's going on right now. I, I have a lot of mixed feelings about higher education. Um, to me, my, my degree, you know, I feel like at some point it was a piece of paper. Yep. And, yeah, I grew a lot through through universities, and it was this piece of paper that you had to have to knock on people's doors. But did, it, did I grow up a ton? Sure. Did I, did I apply any of the things I really learned in school? I don't really know. Um, I, I don't want to knock. Uh, a whole industry, but I, I do feel it's broken. Do I feel like uh, massive online course platforms are the answer? No, I don't. Um, you know, uh, I, I, some stats from that I know from my industry in corporate education, 87% of learners will forget what they learned six weeks later. If you just give somebody an online course and say, watch this video, watch this video, watch this video, it doesn't work. We, you know, the way we're hardwired to learn isn't by this tradi- isn't by this uh, traditional university education. Let's sit in a classroom and let's listen to people lecture. Mm-hmm. That never worked for me, for sure. No. Being dyslexic, no way. No. Um, I had to get special schooling and all that. But um, we learn by our apprenticeship model. We learn by doing. Right. We learn. We learn by getting our hands dirty. Even when I was, I was speaking to a, a huge legal firm today, and I was speaking to a huge bank today, just in the course of my daily business, and you know, and when I talk to my friends who are lawyers or bankers, I go, "We have to get back to work. We have to get back to in person 
because the associates, they still don't have, and we have some new technology that might help them, but they still don't have really good ways of training the associates because it's always this apprenticeship model. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so, sorry, sorry I'm going the long way of answering no, your fine. question. But um, I think learning by doing it, we've gotten so far away from that that um, at some point, you know, we we everybody decided in the '80s that a university education is, is what's uh, is what's best. That's and, the ticket. You know, that's a ticket. And you, you know, one of the things that's really interesting with this whole this whole year is that I think it's going to accelerate the a few trends. Right? AI is going to increase. E-commerce is increasing. 5G is increasing. Um, if you listen to Ray Kurzweil, there's a singularity coming. Um, which is a whole other ball game, but everything's when AI gets better. You know, there's an interesting and 5G and you know, a, 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 there, there's something that's interesting that's going to happen in the next three to five years. And what happens if these white collar jobs that we all rely on, whether it's you know, um, accounting and some legal and some more of the entry level stuff that's could be that's repetitive, can be replaced by technology um, it could be very interesting to what's what's happening and what happens in the next 10 years and what jobs are even available even things like radiologists yep. um, at some point is that w what happens there yep but you know Michael Bloomberg got a lot of flack for saying this about five years ago they go what what career path would you recommend to somebody going to university he goes be a plumber and everybody freaked out at him um, and Michael Bloomberg is one of the top 20 richest people, basically self-made. Um, so, but the interesting about a plumber is a plumber can make two hundred or four hundred thousand dollars a year. Job security is intense. There's no, you're not getting replaced by technology. Yeah. And yeah, you got to deal with people's shit every day. But at the end of the day, you can make a very good living. Yeah. Uh, sorry, pun intended. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> I hope this isn't a PG. Oh program. no, that's fine. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he put a smile on my but, face. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you, you, you know, it, it's a lucrative. It can be a lucrative career. Of course. You, ha you, you control your, you control your destiny, and you're not going to get replaced. Where a lot of the degrees that are going out there, I don't know what's uh, what, no what the future brings. Nobody really does, right? But yeah. I do know a plumber. His job's not going anywhere. Yeah, absolutely. That's sage advice and sage insights. I love that. Um, thank you so very much for, for sharing. Because I remember going to university, and all I ended up with for many years was like, it was a huge bill. So uh, yeah. that wasn't the outcome that I was uh, expecting or planning for. No, I, I, you know, I don't know what advice to give. If, to give a 17, 18-year-old about what to do at the university, I, I would say, because, you know, it was interesting for me, right? So I graduated university and I immediately moved to basically, I, well, I moved back to New York City, moved in with mom and dad, and was like, all right, I want to get experience. I want to work for my parents. I want to work for my dad. And eventually, yeah. you know, go work in that business. And that's a whole other story that we won't get into today, but that was not fun. <laughs> Tried that when I was 27. That was the worst year of my life. No. <laughs> Any case, but it led to everything else. However, at a school, I was like, okay, let me get experience in their field. Worked for three months in New York City, living with mom and dad, you know, making 30K, going, this is not work for New York City and moved to Vail, moved to Colorado. And I and I did I, I started three companies out there, fortunately, but I also did some ski instructing and stuff. But I knew a lot of friends 
who work out there as ski bums, and I guess I was at some point too, um, and, and I have the most affinity for all uh, for that term and for all my friends, but some of them didn't have degrees, right? Yep. And they decided, okay, now I want to wake up and I want to start my life. They had to go back to school, get a degree, and then go. And I was like, okay, I want to start, not start my life. That's maybe the, the wrong term, but I wanted to switch gears. They wanted to get a different career and they had to start from scratch and it took four years, five years for them to make that move. Me, I had the degree. All I had to do was go, okay, I'm moving. I'm going here. Yeah, right? yeah. It gives you the flexibility. It gives you, um, especially if you don't know what you do, want to do, it gives you latitude. But at the same time, if you don't know what you want to do, you could incur quite a bit of debt. So, oh yeah. Yeah, it's weighing it up, isn't it? I yeah. I wonder if I wonder if we can just pivot momentarily. Sure. I'd love to talk about your Instagram page. You <laughs> and your friends hold some incredible, incredibly, uh, what look like challenging geomet geometric uh, shapes <laughs> with um, acro yoga. That yeah. looks fascinating. Tell us about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, so 10 years ago, 11 years ago, I got in, had a girlfriend at the time. She was a yoga instructor. She wanted to do this thing called acro yoga. I go, I don't want to touch people. This is weird. And uh, <laughs> and uh, next next thing you know, I said, oh, this isn't so bad. And uh, we were doing it five nights a week. And it just became, you know, when we were talking about earlier in the, in, in the program, um, what I did as a de-stressor, I wanted something really different. I wanted something I could do active in New York City. And Acro yoga it was, and what you see older my some of my older Instagram posts is um, is more acrobatic. Some of my coaches are in multiple multiple of my coaches are in Cirque du Soleil. My former training oh, really? partner uh, went to circus school. She's touring Europe this year, um, performing. Uh, so it more became circus arts, which uh, so I know a lot of circus freaks, uh, and they're amazing, <laughs> amazing friends. Uh, <laughs> What's that? Takes all types to make this the world spin around. Exactly. Um, yeah. No. But it's a, you, you know one of the things that is so powerful about acro yoga and acrobatics is and what it really taught me was trust and communication. And all my whole job was to convey trust. Like somebody and for those of you who can't see it right now, basically, I was literally um, people are literally bat doing a handstand on my hands, and sometimes I'd even throw them up off my hands and catch their feet or then have them do a full flip and catch them on my hands oh, right yeah. um my whole job is to convey trust yep and to communicate verbally and non-verbally what we're going to do and how we're going to execute it now but to, to uh, for some reason I, I always like challenges so at one point i was dating my acrobatic partner which usually which is less common than you'd think <laughs> and uh, we dated for eight months, and yep. we broke up, and we broke up amicably. But three days later, she goes, well, I still want to work with you. I go, in acrobatics, I go, well, of course you do. I'm amazing. You know, I'm <laughs> it was never but, any uh, <laughs> you know, but that's what's going through my head. And uh, she was amazing, too. And yep. so three days later, we started working out together still after a breakup. And you're touching, you're getting close, body yep. parts are in your face. Yep. And which is fine, but then there's still all this tension, emotions, energy. So after six months of this, we had, you know, you try communicating with an ex when things aren't going well, when there's tension of doing these scary things that you could drop, drop somebody in yep. these really adrenaline situations. 
and communicating with an ex at high adrenaline and communicating well and softly was such a amazing learning experience for me. Um, because Can you use that in business, do you situations. think? Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I put a lot of work into my communication and a lot of work into my EQ. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, my natural state uh, is, uh, I don't know if you know much about anagrams, but I'm an anagram eight, which really means I'm like the tank, the bull, the guy who, who naturally pushes things, right? I was a college wrestler, food. right? I'm the charger. Uh, I'm also a tourist, but th those things don't really work in business. Um, they work for my dad, uh, that you know, in construction and yelling and trying to get his way, but they don't work <laughs> anymore. Uh, and th that, that's my natural state. So in my 20s, I was very much like that. Um, now people would never even guess that, um, or that's the feedback I get. Um, but developing my EQ and my communication and um, not acting emotionally, I think, is uh, some of the largest triumphs I've, I've had. Uh, in business and, and how I act and interact. Yeah, it's, it's wonderful. Um, I'm loving this conversation, Rob. Thank you so very much. <laughs> now, I've, I've looked a lot over um, your online presence through, obviously, uh, Instagram, LinkedIn, your online mm -hmm. coaching and training platform, which we're going to talk about in a moment. Also, your personal uh, robmatskin.com website. Um, mm -hmm. There's something that stuck out for me I'd love for you to talk about is what is Ikigai? <laughs> and what is what is that all about? Yeah, so Ikigai is something I stumbled upon a few years ago, right? It's it's a Japanese way of being, right? And it's a Japanese um, just way of life where if you have Ikigai, you have balance, right? And I think one of the, the, the things, let me actually just pull, pull up the chart so I, I could it, speak to it a little bit more powerfully, yep. even, even though I, uh, just so I have it in front of me. Um, so I don't screw anything up. <laughs> but really, what? But really, if you imagine a Venn diagram with four circles interla interlacing, the circle yep. is ikigai. On the top, you'll have love, what you what you really love to do, what the world needs, what you get paid for, and what you're good at. Right. And every time all these different things intersects intersect, you could have what you could do. What you you know you could have a passion, you could have a mission, you could have a profession, you could have a vocation. Mm -hmm. Right. But one of the things that I was always chasing for like 10, 15 years. You know, when I was a ref kid, I was like, I have the perfect job. I'm, I'm paying my bills. This is great. But there's always the grass is always greener. And, you know, when yeah. I was 25, I was just like, this is amazing. It's a way to spend the summers, right? Um, but there's always a, a something missing because I wasn't really doing what the world needed, right? I was doing yeah, what I could yeah. get paid for, what I was good at and I loved. But there's still that world needed missing thing. But all of a sudden, especially when I, when, when I, when I do up my quest where our mission is to really make sure people can accomplish their goals and dreams and really successfully learn uh, in a digital environment. Yep. Um, I have this um, centeredness and this ease where I don't have this anxiety that something's wrong or something's missing or the grass is greener. I know the grass is really green here and I'm really happy about that. And I could just manifest a bigger lawn or manifest a bigger plate or whatever I want to do that I'm not saying no I need to chase that or something's wrong or I'm, I'm not of in the course. right place and yeah. Ikigai I think one of the powerful things about that is it gives you a framework to look at things arbitrarily and, and see what's missing for you so you can I guess uh, 
pivot, change your direction in life, change your mindset around this model as a guide. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. Now, you touched on MyQuest, and I'd love to learn about this. We're going to talk deeply about this now. Where did my the idea for my quest come about? Yeah, so you know and my business part. Yeah, so my my business partner actually had an idea. He watched a TED talk seven eight years ago now by Jane McGonagall on how games uh, allow people to learn. So he started this journey of how do you really successfully teach people online and. Over, you know, six years ago, I joined him on, on, on answering that question. We, we've pivoted a few times, but our mission has always been this, this question of, you know, what you were touched upon earlier. How do people really learn, right? How do we actually be effective at learning, and how do we be effective at digital learning? Because there's so much out there that there's so much knowledge and information out there, and there's a thesis uh, that's about 10 years old now that if you just democratize knowledge and just allow people information, they'll learn and they'll succeed. It's not a bad thesis, mm-hmm. but one of the things that we found is, uh, or studies have found is that eight, really eight to about 15% of individuals could really learn like that successfully. Most of us need to be held accountable for what they're doing. Most of us need to actually take action on what we're lear- learning. Most of, need, of us need feedback on what we're doing, and most of us really need to implement what we're learning in order for it to really stick, yeah. um, which is why I go back to this whole traditional education versus apprenticeship education. So we actually have a learning model. We actually call it AFT, which is action, feedback, and trigger. It's like a, a, a triangle that really what we focus on and everything that we build out is how do we make sure that we fit in those parameters and how do we build things out because if we stick to that structure then people will really learn with us right because they'll engage with the learning content and we've run massive correlational studies that there's a direct correlation between how how much somebody engages likes posts comments interacts does something with learning yep um, and how much they're really going to complete and how much they're going to retain that knowledge Otherwise, you know, whether you go to a seminar or a workshop, take a course, it's going to go in one year and out the other, yeah, yeah. and we're going to spend all this time and effort doing stuff without really retaining it. And I, I think it's really, um, I don't necessarily get the point of doing it, right, if you're yeah. not going to retain it. I don't get the point of the, for me, doing the corporate, the um, university education. It was, I don't remember much of it. I, I yeah. learned everything in a business at my dinner table and uh, by getting out there and doing it. That's That reminds me of the story you talked about with the car parks yeah. earlier on. You know, you learned about entrepreneurialism by baptism of fire. You know, the yeah. same could be said for, for learning. Now, is this, uh, with my quest, is this about um, having, I guess, accountability partners? Is that what you provide as coaches and consultants? What What's the process? So we're a technology shell. Right. Yep, so we yep. give we give our partners, our cor- the corporations we work with, the training part, the the trainers and the coaches that we work with, the tools, tactics, and techniques to really succeed. Right. When a trainer or somebody uh, in our organization is used to giving a lecture in front of twenty people or two thousand people, they have a toolbox. Right. And now, especially today on this device on Zoom, they're <laughs> a little limited with the, with their toolbox. So we give them their toolbox back. 
some of those things are, you know, some of our, one of our 30 features happens to be accountability partners. Um, you know, some other things are around sharing happens to be communities and, 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 and building habits and really um, using push notifications, reminders based on what's happening or not happening, right? But there's many different things that we're doing, including packaging in a very tight UX that's more consumer friendly than most of our other com- people in the market. Because yeah. uh, uh, one of the things that I found fascinating really about, I guess, B2B technology, and this, um, I, I, I like making broad statements, but they don't necessarily always apply to everything. Yeah. But one of the things that I found as a general rule is, and I get this way of thinking, but I, I certainly think of opposite is most of my competitors build products for their customers. But they don't develop products in a B2B world, but they don't develop the product for their end user. And, you know, it, it's a fascinating thing. I might be completely wrong, but I'd rather build a product. My, 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 my end user these days is, again, as a business, tra- as a training organization or a really large or a conglomerate, right? Yeah. And all my competitors build it for the learning manager inside the lar- large conglomerate. But they don't care what the employee's experience is or how much or how successful the employee is, they only are beholden to the person cutting them the check, which makes a lot of business sense. But in my mind, really making sure the end user has the best experience makes the most business sense because it's the most stickiest and it's gonna get the most utilization. Right? It's it's one thing to learn, isn't it? But it's another thing to chalk that wheel, get up the step and continually improve, isn't it? You have to have an outcome. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it's interesting in, the, in this whole space of uh, university education, um, corporate education, this whole online education space. And I speak to people, I, I remember speaking to somebody last week and I go, well, so tell me a little bit more. I, I always try and get related to my clients, mm-hmm. my potential clients. I'm like, tell me a little bit more. What are, what are your KPIs? Well you know, it's hard for us to measure those things because they're scared because they, the, the outcomes aren't very good. I go, okay, well, what are your priorities this year? Well, you know, maybe if we produce all the content that our executives want this year, that'd be great. I go, well, how do you know if it's successful? Well, if our executives are happy, I go, well, what are you measuring? Well, we're, we're, mm, we're not. Very I go, vague. Because they're not, because they're scared. I, I, and I hope people, too many people in the L and D don't hear this. But no, uh, um, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty honest, right? And I don't necessarily know why. I think they're scared. I don't think they have the right metrics in place. But the metrics aren't very good, and everybody's kind of chasing their tails right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's very interesting being in this space, being very driven by, you know, being a startup, being driven by KPIs, being driven by metrics, and really want to make that impact in the end user, the end employees, uh, make that difference. Um, but sometimes it's uh, pushing into uh, sand, mud, water, um, <laughs> yeah. y- y- you know. Um, but but I think one of the biggest things that I've learned, and we're, we're, we've been getting traction uh, this year on it, is, you know, just staying the course and being true to what we uh, what we believe in. That's fantastic. Now, I, I wonder, Rob, if you could just quickly share with us: is is mm-hmm. MyQuest the core the core of your business different to um, MyQuest Employee Connect, or is it part of the same experience? 
So we have an um, we have an umbrella, right? We have three different main products, right? We have our, our we have our MyQuest umbrella. We have a, a division that focuses on business trainers, which is what we call MyQuest Learn, yep. and then we have some enterprise level products, which is uh, MyQuest Connect. One of the things we realized, me and my business partner were sitting down, and I guess it was San Francisco at the time, and we we're going, what are our co- what are what do enterprises really need? And we realized, and this is October, twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, October 2020, um, and we we realized that everything's switching to Slack, everything's switching to Teams. Internal communication tools are what are what's going on at Microsoft Teams, and uh, so we started bringing our products into and our philosophy into Microsoft Teams. So we're actually a strategic Microsoft partner these days, yep. and we actually really create learning in the flow of work and engaging learning through utilizing Microsoft Teams. Uh, which is a, a communications channel to do so. Uh, and then we have some independent learning platforms uh, if people aren't using Teams. But it's, uh, for us, again, it's all about bringing that core philosophy to, to learning. So for anybody who's on the call today, I'll be absolutely making sure that the links are available uh, back to Rob and his wonderful team. Now on that, Rob, when um, individuals and corporations want to find you, connect with you, talk with you more, learn more about how to get involved, um, where do they go and what is the process once they get there? Yeah, so obviously we have our our, our site. It's uh, Mm myquest.co is a great place to start. We have a lot of great information there. My email is rob at myquest.co. Happy to answer anybody's questions. Uh, happy to hop on a call uh, always with, uh, with people that have questions around that um, and what we're doing instead of learning and education. Thank you so much, Rob. Now, again, um, I will be making sure that those links are back to Rob are available. If you want to connect with Rob, he's obviously on LinkedIn. He's uh, on Instagram, anywhere and everywhere he is there. And with all that being said, Rob, I've had just such a wonderful time spending some time with you on the My Future Business Show today. Hey, Rick, thank you so much for your time. I had a great time as well. Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed the call, then make sure to subscribe, leave a comment, share us with your friends and book your spot on the show at myfuturebusiness.com forward slash interviews. And if you're looking for solutions that will help grow your business, then visit myfuturebusiness.com forward slash shop.